You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I want to say, Dan, that November has been one of the biggest months of the podcast so far. And thank you to all of our listeners for your downloads, your shares, your likes. It's been a great month, and I'm sure it has been fueled by our two excellent guests that we had with James O'Brien and Dan Herrera. Yeah, thank you. We had great Great, great guests, and thanks everybody for listening and downloading. And hey, you know, share your friends, word of mouth, you know, share with your friends, and and hopefully we can get some more listenership and pick up some more steam. So thank you so much for all all you who've jumped on jumped on board. I was telling Dan before the show that um, we uh, linked our podcast to our Tabletop and Beyond Facebook page. So if you already like the Facebook page, you'll get automatic notifications that. Uh, the uh, podcast is up. It'll pop up in your feed. Uh, but if you haven't liked our Facebook page, that's a great place to go get the podcast relatively easy. So uh, share it with your friends and share the page and let other people know. We'd, we'd love to have them on board. And now that there's more synergy, we should start posting to that page more. I think so. I think I think there's a lot of stuff that we talk about, like maybe games and things like that, that we could easily post um some uh some great stuff in some there. links to and yeah, you know if definitely. we talk about something online we can always drop the link because yep. i know we don't post show notes but if we you know have a link that we think is interesting we should just drop it in that drop it in the facebook it's a good point in fact i'm gonna pull it up right now so if something comes up you know what's going on there sweet all right dan uh we're missing jason today obviously um he's being wined and dined by his work so fancy <laughs> Wow, Mr. So Mr. Mr. All right. I know. I guess us plebs that work for the government get none of that kind of stuff. Hey, I used to wear cufflinks to work, and now I wear sweatpants in the winter <laughs> and cargo shorts in the summer. So I am gone way the reverse of wine and dine space in my government. Uh, I mean, is that a bad thing, though? It's been net positive. I can't lie. I can't lie. Here's the thing, though, and some of our listeners probably don't re- don't know this. Uh, I've known Dan. Dan, how long have I known you for? Like Ooh, a good decade-ish, maybe uh, probably, a little less. Right? Yeah, yeah maybe just that... shy of a decade. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I've known you for this long now, and um, you're the kind of guy that I think likes to wear the suits and walk <laughs> around. Well. You like to do the walking around and the, you know, the hand grabbing and the schmoozing. I, I know you, Dan. I know you. You know, it, it, some skill sets when you work in certain cities come in really handy. And um, let, let's just say none of those skill sets that you just identified have been worth a damn during the damn COVID <laughs> lockdown. So I definitely feel like a blacksmith in the era of the automobile. Let me just say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fix this cartwheel, my good friend. <laughs> I'm going to go make some nails. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's definitely a different skill set, especially for... Washington, D.C. Very different. Very different. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. We've got an interesting show for you today. Uh, We're going to be talking about rules lawyering and when is enough enough. I object! (laughs) Overruled. Overruled. (laughs) But uh, uh, to get us started, Dan, how was your Geek Week? 
pretty good. I know this is not that geeky because the Beatles are pretty gosh diddly darn mainstream, but Peter Jackson put out his eight-hour documentary, and I finally finished so it. So long. That's I finally long finished it. You have to, like, first of all, love the Beatles, love love riffing, because a lot of what they're doing is finding these classic songs, and they're working on my favorite album or one of my absolute favorite. I mean, I'm kind of a Beatles geek. The ringer on my cell phone is Sgt. Pepper's. I really do love the Beatles. I just do. And so this is how I geek out. But uh, the documentary was, for me as a super fan, even very long to get through. And it was a fascinating study in uh, how organizations get things done, how teams get things done against the deadlines, right? And about good leadership and bad leadership and good collaboration and bad collaboration. Because there's this moment where George Harrison says, you know, I really liked how much of an artistic contribution that I made on the last album and I want to do that again and that's what I want to do and he goes on this long speech and Paul McCartney tilts his head to the left and goes yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's like yeah okay sure thing buddy buddy okay no problem and if that doesn't if that doesn't help you understand where the show was gonna go you know and it was shot in uh it was filmed in January of 69 and those guys were done in, in about a year a little less than a year so anyway Long story short, if you love that album, um, uh, it just went out of my brain because I'm podcasting. Was <laughs> it The Hard Day's Night? No, it's not. My brain just went. It's, I just want to keep calling it Get Back, but it's not Get Back. It's. I just said it was one of my favorites, and now the name went out of my brain. Sergeant uh, Pepper's Lonely Hearts? No, stuff? it's not. It's the last one they did before they broke up. Oh. Uh, um. Oh, let it be. It's the let it be. Uh, album. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. It's let it be. I apologize. Guys, I just lost my super fan geek, geek card. Wow. But, uh, so pod- podcasting does do things to your short, short and long, long term memory. It does. Sometimes yeah. it does. Um, so interesting thing. Like I found a lot of people kind of either love or hate the Beatles. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard a lot of people that are like, eh, you know what I mean? And I think that like, look, the Beatles were the zeitgeist band of their time, right? Like, yeah. like they were in the moment. There's plenty of other bands that were better than they were, in my opinion, um, that produced better music. But they they had the line straight into the vein of all the teenagers at that time, right? Like, that they were just, like, producing that music. And uh, what's interesting is, like, I, I do like a lot of the Beatles stuff. Um, and, you know, like, when it comes on, I love singing with it. And it's like, everybody knows the words to the song. Like, you know, and I can't even remember a time where I, like, actively sat down and learned the lyrics. It's just I've heard it so long growing up that you yeah. just know the songs, right? And they're not it's in complicated. The it's in the ether. Yeah. And, uh, which is great. Um, and, in fact, there was a um, there was a great little movie um and i gotta i gotta remember what it's called now now my brain's shutting down but it, the story was is like this guy this struggling musician he was riding his his bike home one night and a giant power outage goes out across the world and he ends yeah. up getting hit by a bus That's um during that outage and when it, you know what movie i'm talking about yeah i saw it in the theater yeah and uh and then he comes to and he's like one of only like what three people that remember the beatles music yeah. And he's a musician, so he starts recreating it and, like, having, like, massive hits with it, you know? And it gives you a little appreciation of, like, really culturally what the Beatles did for music and all that, right? Um, but I will say this. When the Beatles broke up, I can't stand anything that Paul McCartney put out. 
<laughs> like, no. I really can't. Like, I listen well, to his stuff, and I'm like, I no, hate this it's, stuff. It's You know what it is? It's when you have people who are pushing themselves to be excellent. Yeah. That's a very different thing. It's like, they, you know, you have two or three strong songwriters that not only have to please themselves, but have to please the other people in the band in order to get the song done. So they have to compromise what, what their default setting is and get something that they mutually like. And that's yeah. a very different thing um, than uh, than just doing than being the only guy in the room that gets a, that gets a uh, an opinion. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the movie is called Yesterday. I Yesterday. can't. I mean, I can't yeah. even believe I forgot. That, yeah, right? I know. We're we're totally drawing a blank today on uh, on our our short and long term memory. There is another great um, kind of rock opera style movie that came out. Oh gosh, fifteen years from now. It's called Across the Universe. Did you ever see that? Yes, it's 2007. I, did see that. I saw that in the theater as well. Uh, yeah, I I really like that one. I thought that it has Evan Rachel Wood in it. Yep. Um, it's got a couple of people. I thought I thought it was great. It was a little rock opera ish, you know, kind of musical style. Um, you know, and some people uh, like Beatles songs when they've been covered, right? Uh-huh. And they enjoy the songs better as a cover. And that is uh, it's a it's a, it's it's basically if you wrote a play and used the Beatles music to kind of hit the main points of the of the play or the movie, but every song is a cover, right? Yeah. Yep. And there's I Am Sam, which was a movie. I think it had Michelle Pfeiffer and um, uh, what's his name? Um, um, I gotta look it up. IMDb. I'm just gonna do it. I Am Sam. It had a all of the songs of its soundtrack were all covers. Um, uh, Sean Penn. Uh, oh, Sean yeah, Penn yeah, and yeah. Pfeiffer. He's, he's like um, an alien, right? No, he's no, got, uh, he's got developmental else. issues. Yeah. Um, but all of the music is the Beatles songs. They're just covered by all these other great artists like uh, Amy Mann. And if you pick up that, that uh, or if, if you, on your music service, Go to the I the, the I am Sam soundtrack and and it has some of the best covers like Ben Folds did Golden Slumbers and stuff. I'm a geek. You, you, we're going deep on this geek stuff. I can geek <laughs> That's out all on good. This all night long. So you said it wasn't that geeky, but we're totally geeking out we're right totally now. We're totally geeking out. Like, so we're totally anyway, <laughs> I, I really do like it. It's a fascinating. Getting back to the documentary, it is long, and it's really about them building up to the, their last live performance ever. Period. Full stop. Yeah. And that that's a big deal. And how do you, as a group, figure out a way to make sure everybody enjoys what they're doing and work towards a goal? Um, yeah. And I hate to say this, I've compared RPG groups to bands many, 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 many times. So um, there's, I think there's a lot in common. Um, so anyway, I'll stop on that. My other uh, Geek Week thing is um, we've had a group of GMs in our group, you included, um, that have decided to get together and do a West Marches campaign for uh, Star Wars. If you're not familiar with West Marches, it's when you have multiple GMs that come up with a set of rules where the characters can change every episode and they can gravitate to different GMs or DMs based on who's available and what they feel like doing and what they don't feel like doing. Yep. Um, I've never done one of these before. I'm really excited. I'm having a great time. We, uh, you were on the conference call, and we're not going to start for a few months now. I think we're gonna we're targeting the March timeframe, but it was super nice to have a kind of a a different approach to to getting an RPG group together and 
if I'm running it, I don't have to be there every time. Sometimes I can play. Sometimes I can totally yeah. check out and focus on my family. This is going to be, I, I'm, I'm super optimistic that this will be a, a very good thing for us because our group is so big. None of us can all play as one group anymore because we're three groups plus at least. So, so I mean, what's kind of interesting that's happened to our gaming group um, since uh, within the last decade, since I met you, right. Is, yeah. uh, I mean, I first came to your guys' Star Wars game, and that was yeah. one of the first RPGs I played. Yeah. The first one was Earthdawn with Jamin Hayden. <laughs> so yeah. that was my that was my intro to there RPGs. Earthdawn. Um, yeah, but um, I, uh, you know, playing Star Wars with you guys, like John and I came into that, and I think that we were players number like seven and eight yeah. in there, right? And that like made a pretty big group. And we we kind of, like Dan, uh, our our buddy Dan who was GMing like, he ended up kind of being done with the campaign and so like the game kind of ended, and we said okay well like let's um let's start up some other stuff you know yeah. and, um, and that turned out we, to be great. It did it did the problem the problem in that moment though is we kind of like between all of our friends we only have like one and a half groups. Do you know what I mean? At and the so time, like, yeah. But at the time, yeah, exactly. Anymore, yeah. We had one and a half groups, and so I started the Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign, um, and we had to recruit outside of our gaming group to come and play because you, I think, had sucked in some people for some Star Wars or D&D &D or something else. Anyway, uh, the point is is that, um, you know, like we only had like one and a half groups, and we like ended up like kind of like – expanding contracting expanding contracting but now we're at this point where we've got like enough like if we were to get everybody together in a room we'd have three full games like you said you know yeah and um we've tried other attempts right not just doing west marches we've done well what if we have a thing where everybody just does a one shot or a three yeah. episode arc and people can come and go as they want and most of those pretty much blew out into full-blown campaigns. Right, right. Um, and so because there was this urge to keep going, I think West Marches gets the ability to check in and out and also gives people the ability to keep going. So if you don't know about West Marches, go on YouTube. There's a lot of things about West Marches. There's a lot of way to do it. The, the name is kind of a misnomer because West Marches doesn't really communicate what's happening. It's just... That was the name of the first group that the first did it. One, they right? were all marching to the West in their story. So that's a thing. Anyway. So uh, as we speak, I am posting Matt Colville's um, uh, running the game series uh, and the episode that he did on West Marches. So um, I'm going to post that to Facebook so that people I, can I see what we're talking that. about. I watched yeah, that it's a, years it's a great ago. summary. Yeah, it's a oh I it, let's see, this video was posted in. Uh, where's the date here? I don't know, like four years ago. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it was like four years ago that this was posted, but it's a great summary of what it is and like kind of how to run it, a little bit, you know, and um, so for those that are just kind of like wondering like oh okay well what the heck are they talking about. Well, uh, check out uh, on our Facebook uh, page. I just posted the video, and you can watch it there. Wow, we're so efficient these days. I know, right? Wow, it's like this we, is so great. It's like we have a plan, and we're professionals or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Anyway, um, 
very good very good uh yeah it, it, that was a very good uh planning session i thought that we had we um it's one of those things that we've got so many gms that we got to make sure that we're all on the same page right like yeah. we can't be running um in a different world and that's really what that first meeting was about was establishing the you know the hundred thousand foot view of like what does the world look like and what are some guardrails to keep the gms all within the same space you know so yeah i I got so so excited i went out and made my character that i probably won't play for probably till march april may june i'm like oh oh, this sounds great i gotta go make my make me a character (laughs) that was so funny that you did that i started laughing I, got, I get excited. I know. All right. How was your geek week? Uh, it was pretty good. I, I Mine is more of a follow-up from what I kind of talked about last week. Uh, I told you I was playing Control on the uh, Xbox Gaming Pass, and it was with the cloud gaming. Nice. And uh, the nice thing about that is that um, uh, I finished the game. I finished okay. the game uh, last night. There's still some, like like clean up things that I can go do and finish a couple other missions and things like that if I wanted to, but I finished the game. It was fantastic. I, I really liked the game. It was kind of trippy. It was kind of wild. Um, it's, it's so crazy because you're inside of this uh, New York office of this government building, which is called the federal bureau of control. control. And it's like, oh, yeah. And it's like, basically um, the, the, idea is like you know they're kind of like the fbi so like i said last time they're all wearing like horn room glasses and suits and you know stuff like that and so they they look like total g-men in there right oh yeah um but this building is ginormous and all this paranormal stuff so on one hand like you're doing all this paranormal stuff and on the other hand i'm like i feel like i'm walking down like the government hallway where i work like right now <laughs> like right now don't you know what I mean? Work. Like I was like, I feel like I've seen that same artwork on my building's wall ah. like, right now. It's so funny because it, it's it totally it did such a good job of making it feel like a government office building, which is very different than a corporate office building. Yeah, it really is. Oh, like it is very there's, there's something about a government government buildings that just, it's different. <laughs> I've so, worked in both. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. funny. Um, but uh, I will say the highlight of the game came in probably like the last act, um, like with like, you know, maybe just minutes left of the game. You had to traverse this maze, and the only way that you could do it is you had to get these headphones from this kind of freaky uh, Finnish janitor that would speak to you in Finnish sometimes, and he was just a very weird dude. But he's like, oh, to get across this like hallway because it was this maze that would change shapes on you like a door like a wall would disappear and open up and you'd walk through it and then a doorway would like drop out from under you and then you'd have to drop down you know what i mean like it was very total maze. oh yeah totally <clears throat> well to get through there you had to listen to his headphones and it was this death metal control song um that was playing um and it was fantastic. Like you're just like playing death metal as you're like fighting these guys, you know. And it was it was fantastic. So I was like I was like Jason, um, he needs to finish his game just for that scene because it's just like <laughs> control, control. Ah, you're just like you're literally like tell you know using telepathy uh, telepathy to like just chuck stuff at dudes and then you're like blowing them up with missiles and like you're possessing them to fight for you. And like, I mean, you're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like, it was the perfect culmination of all your powers in just this wild, like five minute death metal frenzy, 
that you're wow. going on. Like, it was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to check it out one of these days. I've I've come up with a solution for my late night gaming. Uh, <laughs> long story short, I'm going to get the headphones that plug into the controller, which means you get all the audio right. Nobody around oh, can yeah. hear you playing. So that's... Yep. That's something that I've uh, that uh, Santa Claus is gonna hook me up with in a Dude, few weeks. Dude, at this point, you can just get normal headphones and plug them in. Oh, I know, but I I went and got you some. You the good I, ones too. Yeah, they Santa got you. Uh, Black Friday hooked me up. Let me just. Say I hear you. So that'll be part of what makes Christmas magical for me, but we won't get ahead. Where that's next week's episode. That's right. Next week, we're yeah, we're definitely talking about what uh, what we want for Christmas. So yeah, excited about that. Uh, the second part of my geek week, uh, I jumped on the Cowboy Bebop bandwagon. Cool. And I started the um, first two uh, episodes is what I got through. And dude, I'm in it. I'm I'm digging it <laughs> a lot. Like I didn't. I don't know why. You're like ahead of me. I think Cowboy Bebop, like the original show, either came out like. It was like early 2000s or maybe mid 2000s yeah. when I was uh, either in college or, um, or like a new professional, you know, working professional, and I didn't have a lot of time for TV. Sure. And I remember my little brothers talking about it, and you have to realize that my little brothers watch some really weird stuff. Garbage television. They watch some very well. They just watch some weird things, right? And you're like. What is it? And they're like, dude, this is the best thing in the world. And you watch it and you're like, this is weird, guys. Like, this is really weird. <laughs> you know? Like, strange. So so they're talking about it. And I'm sure that it was good at the time, you know, like the anime thing. But I was just like, okay. The, I mean, they're my younger brothers telling me to do some weird stuff. But now, so I had a very distinct impression of what this might be. But I heard you guys talking about it last week. So I turned it on. And I'm like, oh, this is good. This is oh, actually good. really good. I, I, I very much enjoy it. All right, uh, I've got yeah. yet another reason to get caught up, or yeah. at least plow through a few more episodes so we can talk. How many? How many have you seen so far? I just saw the first one, and I started watching oh, the yeah. second okay. one, but it was like, knocky. It was like two a.m., and I was like, "Well, I'm not yeah. going to enjoy this if I'm falling asleep." Yeah, yeah, I, t- I hear you. I listen two. I just finished two, and uh, what a what a great what a great setup for the rest of the season too. You know, so oh, good, 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 yeah. Good. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. So, uh, I love the dynamic that the two main characters have with each other. Yeah. You know, um, it's very good. Uh, I like the kind of, you know, sort of jazzy. It's almost like a weird, like, 70s, like, Starsky and Hutch feel mixed with, like, a film noir mixed with a space, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, very Starsky and, and, and Hutch seventies, uh, gritty, and anime nasty seventies. Right? Yeah, yeah, and the anime, the anime kind of. Uh, there's a lot of anime tropes in there that would. Yeah, and and but it's balanced out with a bunch of other things too. Yeah, it is weird to me that in the first episode they're in they're on a you know basically a space colony on an asteroid. And everybody's driving around in seventies cars. Um, I so. thought that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I was like, you have okay. to kind of get over that and just say, okay, well, whatever. That's what you know. All aesthetics will be popular again someday. Is all I have to say about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, that's great. You have to suspend thought, disbelief a little bit. You know, and that's totally what I had to do. And as I found that as soon as I did that, because I was like, who makes the gas for these cars? Yeah, you know, like I'm I started sure thinking electric. about that. You know, yeah. yeah. But uh, but 
Well, they can't be because like one of them got shot and blew up in a fiery blaze. Like it was filled with gasoline, <laughs> okay. right? Good job, so, good job. You po- po- poked a hole in that one. Yeah, I know, but true. you know what? Like, uh, you know, maybe there was gas on that asteroid or something like that. It, like, and at the end of the day, I said, okay, suspend disbelief. It doesn't really matter. Just enjoy the show, and I really did. I, I think it you it know? does matter in a very weird way. And I thought about this. I said, if they were driving around in cyber trucks, would that make the show better? And in my opinion, the answer would have been no. I agree. The show would have been worse. And so the fact they're driving around in 70s hoopties makes it better. And I can't explain how or why. And it does make you suspend disbelief. But once you suspend disbelief, it's a better show. I think it's because of the Starsky and Hutch vibe that you get going. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that would take away from the Starsky and Hutch and push it more towards the Expanse, which it's not trying to be. Yeah, no. You know? Yeah, it would make it more like, um, you know, uh, what would the Schwarzenegger movies? What were, you know, you had... uh, Total Recall. Total Recall. It's like, did they want to do Total Recall or did they want to do Cowboy? So it has its own aesthetic and it's a mashup of other different genres and i and the jazz music in it is insanely good if you're a jazz fan if you like jazz music it's probably not additive but for me it was i liked it a lot so in episode two i got to thinking i'm like so jazz becomes like the popular thing because like they're always putting a record on like to listen to jazz as they're working and i'm like so jazz has become like the uh the thing right like no more techno no more cyber wave like it's jazz Interesting. Okay. Yeah, cool. go figure. You know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I well, I'll get back into it. Um, the Beatles was chewing up all the my TV time to do other things. Yeah. All right. Very good. Very good. Yeah, that was my Geek Week, man. So geeking out. Uh, it's good. Good times. Very good times. All right. You know what time it is now. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond. News. That was Very good, buddy. Very good. I never get tired of doing that. I don't know why. I I think that you should do it all the time. All right. Simon Limited has been teasing its fifteenth Kickstarter project for weeks. The game at the heart of this project has turned out to be Marvel Zombies, a zombie side game, effectively serving as a crossover between the Marvel Zombies comic series, which was transformed into a What If episode, and Simon's best known and longest lived title, Zombicide. We love Zombicide. We do. I like. We've playing played. That game. We uh, was the first time you played Zombicide at a catacon. I played, played it before, it? but I when we got it out, I was excited because I'd played it before, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I know I'm gonna have fun. I'm a big fan of Zombicide. You know what I love about um, about it is that if you go to the Zombicide website, they put out a free adventure every week, and they don't have you to can, do that. They don't have money. to at all. Yeah, and so they'll they have a whole scenario that you set up, and then you can run like a free one every week. So like, it's just free content that you get, and of course, um. Uh, I ha- I played the um, Black Plague um, edition, which is like the fantasy version. Oh, nice. Um, oh, I get it. Black, Black Plague. Plague. That would have been like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And um, so I played that at, uh, at uh, Gen Con one year, and that was a lot of fun. And the models are gorgeous for that one. Um, and, uh, yeah, big fan of Zombicide. I think uh, – did you see the What If episode where it was the zombies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched all of That was of a great – that was a good episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, I 
I liked it once. I'm not going to go back to it. I'll let me say that. But I would play, I would play Marvel Zombicide because hey, instead of grouchy old man with a shotgun, what about Spidey? Right. What about Captain America with a shield? Right. Yeah, or something I like can that. get yeah. into that. No problem. Yeah, I think it, I think it'd be a lot. So, what is the fiftieth? Uh, fiftieth. I thought you said fifteenth. Fifteenth. Oh, fiftieth. I said I said it wrong. It's fiftieth Kickstarter. Which makes sense, dude. They're putting out Kickstarters like crazy. Yeah, did I say 15th? That was a slip of the tongue. So, a lot of Kickstarters. Um, Hey, if you hit 50 Kickstarters, people know you'll deliver. So, there you go. So, it is not out yet. Nope. Um, It's upcoming. You can get notified when it comes out. Yep. Which, I guess what I'm doing right now. You're going to get it? Nope. going to drop that onto the Facebook so that people can know. People can. Oh, man, you're so good. Yeah, dude. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Like, this is a thing now. (laughs) This is a thing now. Sweet. Okay, next item of news. Fandom released details on their open content license for Cortex Cortex Prime, and the reception has not been kind. Rather, Uh Rather than being a commercial license like the open game license or storefront restricted licenses like for the DM's Guild or Storyteller's Vault, this license is solely for non-commercial fan products. You're not allowed to sell your creations, nor use crowdfunding in order to wow. fund them. Also, fandom claims ownership of all game mechanics created under this license, which is which is odd as game mechanics are uh, the one thing an RPG cannot be copyrighted under U.S. law following the Supreme Court case Baker v. Selden in 1879 and the Copyright Act of 1976. Creators do retain copyright to all, quote, lore, unquote, creations, such as characters, locations, art, fiction, etc., under the license. Distribution under DriveThruRPG and uh, Itch.io are prohibited, as fandom claims the platform, the platforms grants them rights to specific parts of the content, including content that the community license does not grant you rights to. However, the only rights that either DriveThruRPG or Itch.io require are standard distribution rights that any web hosting service or social media site would require. The license also states that users cannot decompile, disassemble, or reverse engineer the Cortex system or any component thereof by any means whatsoever. Fandom plans to launch a storefront for user-generated content, the Cortex Creator Studio, at a later date, and commercial licenses can be acquired through an application. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. So let me tell you about Cortex Prime. This was the Kickstarter that I funded, and it took years for the book to show up. And one year ago, we hosted our contest for it, and we gave it away. Yeah. Because I didn't want it. Because it's it's it seems okay. It seems like a, a pretty generic system. It's it kind of like it's kind of like a Genesis style thing, right? It is. Which is like yeah. you've got basic mechanic. It's a it's a it's a RPG mechanics engine yes. that you can then reskin however you want. If you want to make a Doctor Who thing, you could do it with Cortex Prime. It. Right. If you want to make a Marvel one, you could do it with Cortex Prime. If you want to make your own homebrew gritty uh, uh, Game of Thrones RPG, you could do it with Cortex Prime. Yes, you know so. However, yeah. Uh, okay, so 
There's GURPS, which has been out since the 1980s. It's still right. in print and it is the go-to generic system. There are other systems out there. Everybody yeah. is using open game license and selling stuff open under open game license and adapting right. it to whatever genre they want. And that has the benefit of 5E. 5E right. people are like, hey, well, I don't have to learn another system. Ding, ding, ding. Why don't I do yet another Cthulhu in, in OpenGL? Yeah. So I don't know what these people think they're going to do with Cortex. Now, Cortex... <laughs> That's wild. It did get noticed uh, in the Any Awards this year. I don't know if it won, but it was nominated. Um, and somebody can correct me or we can look it up. So it did get nominated for an Emmy. But I had the book. It wasn't that good. So if you want to be using numeric dice instead of narrative dice, it's better than Genesis. Right there. Full stop. If, if you hate narrative dice, fair enough. That is a perfectly logical argument to make. But there's 20 other ways to create your cre create your fan creations and sell it and derive profit instead of trying to get people to play Cortex and then and then attach, you know, your IO to it. So I I think this is the most brain dead stupid thing I've seen in the in the game community for a long long time. So they were uh, nominated for seven NEs. Right, oh, so geez. the NE is what is an NE exactly? It's the Gen Con um, Oscars. Yeah, but what what does it stand for? I can't remember. Uh, NE has to do with Geneva, I think. I could be wrong. If I'm mistaken, please let let us know. The anyway, yeah. uh, it was it was so for this year it was nominated for best art cover, best art interior, which look that's I mean. It didn't That's, win, though. It wasn't that good. It did. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for Best Game, Best Layout and Design, Best Rules, uh, Product of the Year, and also for the Tales of Zadia, which was like their uh, campaign setting. Uh, was nominated for best family game product. I think um, I think that's a function of the Ennies being a very weird insular group. Well, I, how many RPG systems come out every year? Yeah, it did come out, but they were working on it for years, and it was yeah, ugh. Um, yeah. I, so, hmm. so the the interesting thing. Oh, oh and here yeah, I'm seeing this. This is on Reddit where I'm getting this right. Um, someone says, "Is Tales actually officially out yet?" And they said, "It's just a rules primer, two tales, and a raft of pre-generated characters. So it's not even like an official product yet." And it was nominated, right? And I think that that kind of tells you about the Ennies a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, it look. Don't get me wrong. I think Game Awards is is great because it brings awareness and stuff like that. But um, Cortex Prime, when the big boys on the block, namely Five E, right, right, uh, uh, Paizo, yeah. um, and uh, I will all even throw you know FFG slash Edge Studios with uh, Genesis in there. When they're all going to open gaming license where you can create and sell your own products mm -hmm. with their and then you decide to go counter that, like you're not big enough. Like you don't have enough market share to do that, like and and get away with it. You know what I mean? Like and I don't even think you're a good enough system for it. Oh, well, I've I played you know? the system in an earlier incarnation. It it is annoying. There, it's nothing worse than rolling a d12 and a d10, and you think you're going to do massive damage, and you come up with a deuce. 
which would happen on a pretty regular basis. Like, yes, it's not a it's not a standard. You know, the probability curve is a little more fun yeah. when you mix up different die faces. I get it. It's not that great. It's and, and so the fact that they think that they're going to force everybody to like look, why would I bother? It's like it would be yeah. more fun to write a five E thing right now. You and I could sit down on a Saturday, write out an adventure, come up with a 10-page adventure, put it on drive-through RPG, charge it a dollar, and the money would just start rolling in. Yeah. We could put out a 40-page supplement for Cortex Prime and not make as much money. In yeah. my opinion. So, that's my two uh, cents. Yeah, look, I totally agree. And because we talked about corporate, I hope whoever we gave it away to found it interesting and, and useful. I hope there she's deriving benefit from it. We never heard back, but nonetheless, uh, that's what's going on with that. So I, I just think it, it just, just shows a tone deafness. They're so tone deaf and it's kind yeah. of freaky. Anyway. Yeah. That's my I, I think, um, you know, we talked about the Beatles having their, um, finger on the pulse of, uh, of the zeitgeist. In the yeah. Moment. I think these people are so far off the pulse that they're oh like, you know, they don't. They don't get it. Yeah, read the room, it. people. Read yeah, the right. room. <laughs> Watch it in like five years. We'll be like, we had no idea Cortex Pine would take over five years. <laughs> yeah, right. They end up being so successful with this model that they got the capital to buy out Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, Tabletop you know? and Beyond doesn't know Deadly Squad about the industry. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so that's, that's the funny. news. Just two news items. Well, very good. Thank you for the news today, my friend. All right. So uh, our main topic today is rules lawyering. So a little bit. So for those that don't understand what that is, uh, rules lawyer is uh, a term, and I'm putting this in air quotes, people, of endearment uh, that that you give to somebody who um, will argue with you about the rules of the game because they think, um, and they may know uh, the rules better than the GM. And um, there's times where it is appropriate to kind of rules lawyer or check with the GM about what's going on because, like, that's not how things work, right? Like, so, for example, if uh, you're playing D&D and, um, and I give you disadvantage on your roll to hit and you say, wait, wait a minute, why are you giving me disadvantage? There's nothing here that should do that, right? Yeah. Like... That, that's a perfectly appropriate time to ask that question just because, like, that's not the normal standard practice, right? Yeah. But then there's times where it's not appropriate and it starts to get really awkward for everybody <laughs> at the table and everybody in the room. And it's a definite trait that you could do too much of. So, uh, Dan, I know uh, that you've got some experiences that you need to share with us about this. So let me caveat this by saying, because RPG is growing, right, and there are more people getting into it at different age intervals in their life, right? Yeah. You know, you got into it as a fully-fledged adult with children. Great. Welcome. There are people yep. getting into it. There are elderly people that have gotten into role-playing games. Great. Welcome. Some yep. of us got into this when we were young teenagers before we could drive, and, and when when RPGs were like very fledgling, very fledgling, right? And yeah, uh, we had a lot of years to do it wrong and just you know develop 
um, taste and 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 different kind of what what to do and what not to do just by being screw ups for years and years and years and years in a consequence free yeah. environment with your fifteen year old friends, right? Like bad gaming behavior happened at the age of fifteen, and and right. now it doesn't affect anybody. But now we're grown ups playing with grown ups. Yeah, that's a that's a slightly different thing. So anyway. Um, there's, cer- there's certain expectations that come with that, you know? Well, and, and, um, and people that have started later don't have the benefit of ex- some of the weird experiences that maybe some of us had back <laughs> right. in the mid-90s. That's all. That, that's what my point was. And and I, as an old ganger, gamer, have to be cognizant of new gamer mm-hmm. uh, faux pas, which we'll get yeah. into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will say this, too. Usually your rules lawyer... The one that's out there, um, it, it's funny because they they fall into two categories, right? The first category is that they have never DM'd before, right? Yes. And so they don't they don't know like what it actually takes to like let a game run smoothly and uh-huh. how to balance the table sometimes and make sure that everybody's feeling like they're the hero and you know making sure that um, you know things aren't broken so that people have a negative play experience or whatever. So there's those people who have never DM'd before and they think like, oh well this is how it should be. And they're probably yes, right. It should. should be that way. But you're absolutely uh, right. Absolutely you know, right. but but the DM realizes that like if it does go that way then then it's just not going to be as fun, you know? Right. Um, the other person is the one that has DM'd a lot before. Yes. You know? and, <laughs> and, like, hey. and they know the rules inside and out, and um, and they think that they're still kind of the DM. Uh, because I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one thing. I've DM'd quite a bit, and when I play now, I will hold my tongue and bite my tongue because I'm just like, okay, let's see how they how they roll with this. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, because I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're leading it. I know that I'm not the DM, so I'm not the one that's like running the thing, right? Um, and so, for example, when um, you, I've, I have, <laughs> I'm not very experienced, but I have DM Star Wars before. Yep. 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 Um, and uh, I think I've only done a couple. And I see how it's written and how it works and stuff like that. I had to fly off, you know, the cuff a little bit when I was doing it because I couldn't remember some of the rules. And I was just sure. like, yeah, it's totally roll that, you know, whatever. Um, which is probably totally wrong, but who cares? We were having a good time. But then I see, like, you DM it and, you know, you know it so well Um that you are definitely like fudging things left and right to really have a great time, you know, which is fine, but it's not my place to point out to you, like, Dan, you're doing this wrong. It's, you know what I mean? Because like, I know how it's supposed to be written, how star Wars generally has like the rules. And I see how you're running it. And I'm like, I think to myself, Oh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Like it's a different way to solve a problem. Yeah, and I start thinking like, now why would he do it that way? That's that's really where I come from when I see DMs do things differently. It's like, why would they do it that way? And I had and, to do the exact same thing you're talking about in the FFG yeah. room at Gen Con with paid GMs that I yeah. knew were doing the rule wrong. Maybe yeah. they knew otherwise, maybe not, because I was really into the podcasts and I had met a few of the developers and I knew some of the rules some of some early early rule sets and then I'm it is sitting in the room with these guys and watching the GM who got paid in a hotel room I'm like and I had volunteered to do it and he was messing up and I yeah. was had to be cool with it I was like oh I th- yep. I thought we did this then that he's like nope we're going to do we're going to do that then this 
And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Moving on. Well, and you know, like, you have to realize, too, like, um, especially if you've played multiple editions of the game. Yeah. That's right? a, like, it's hard, they, yeah. They're, it's, it's hard sometimes to be like, okay, wait, that's true. That rule, this, that rule now does something different. Like, ask anybody about what the rule for grappling is. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and you'll be like 50 different uh, answers. Right, right, right. You know, strength versus strength or strength versus agility or, you know, like anyway, you know, I mean, you know, you know how it goes. But, um, uh, you know, there's possibilities, too, that, look, the GM could just be wrong. And, and, and there's nothing yeah. there's nothing, quote, wrong, unquote, with that. Unless, right. you know, the GM is doing that in a way is trying to undermine the fun or undermine, you know, and being antagonistic if you're being about a it, jerk, right? yeah. if you're being a jerk, you're, 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 that's not what not to do. Okay. Yeah. So what had happened is, okay. So this weekend I'm just coming off of, we're recording on Monday. Yeah. I never GM twice in a weekend, but because I wanted to get it out of the way for the holidays and one of my players moved the event, moved one of ours and, you know, so it wasn't so close to the, Christmas holiday, which was fine. So I, I GM'd on a Friday and on a Saturday. So by the time I got to my Saturday game, I had already done five hours. Oh, wow. Okay. The night before. Yeah. And I, they always go late, right? You know, that's what happens. Yeah. And, um, and this, the first game I'm playing is Edge of the Empire. Lot less rules because there's no force, and then we're right. the second night is force and destiny, and there's many more layers of rules because the force is complicated, and let's just it just is. It's there's lots of tiki tack yeah. little rules, and um, I can't memorize everything, right? You're like, right. hey Dan, you know the rules so well. It's like, well, there's 40 books, I can't memorize the minutia. <laughs> right. I keep right. a lot of things. I have to book dive at when I'm GMing this because. I have to, I try to get it right as well as I can. So anyway, I had a player invest experience points into a set of talents, right? Mm -hmm. And he had made, and now he doesn't listen to this podcast or any podcast I've checked. He had <laughs> made some assumptions because there were some vagaries in the way it was written. Yeah. And if you're unfamiliar with the very specific verbiage of the rules, and, you know, if you're just kind of glossing over the specificities and you're reading into it. So he thought a talent was much more powerful than it really was. Uh, okay. And uh, so he tried to do his shtick that cost him a lot of experience points. And we said, no, it doesn't work like that. And another player was like, no, it doesn't work like that. And I, as the GM, was like, you're right. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't apply. And he kept arguing and kept arguing. And... It was a little painful, and we just kind of just got through it. But yeah. he was kind of sitting there, unbeknownst to me, stewing about this. <laughs> yeah. I could see the happening. I mean, we, we kind of talked about this in one of our previous podcasts, right? Which is like if you, if you kind of take away a player's toy or their treasured thing – they're not gonna like it, right? Right, and it's a, um, it's a, it was a big deal. So this is a. It was a big deal, and I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that you took away his like favorite gun. Or yeah, something no, like I, that, I, I didn't crack the magic sword or the magic whatever. Right, what I did do was, is he was reading a talent about how he can keep certain people alive for short periods of time, right? Yeah. And he had misread what circumstances he could do that, and oh. he was applying it to the wrong circumstance, and so. 
you know, he was basically saying, oh, I got you, I got you, everything's fine. And then I'm like, actually, not. It's everything's not fine because you're reading the rules wrong. Yeah. So everybody, it was a late game. We usually end, we usually don't end at 1230. So we ended at 1230, and he stayed behind. He's like, the, I, I don't understand what happened, what happened. I don't get that. That makes no sense. Yeah. And so... I had to explain to him how the game was designed, what what the design principles were, you know, how there's different ways that you deal with character death. Just like in D&D, there's different ways to deal with character yeah. death with saving dice and there's other ways to to deal with it, right? And you have to know the nuances of it cuz killing a player off is non-trivial. Well, he was trying to right. save another player's life. Turns out that player got saved by somebody else who was using the right set of talents, not the wrong right, set right. of talents. And I swear I had to, we sat there for an hour. I explained it and explained oh. it and explained it over and over and over again, around and around and around and around. I kept, so it's 1.30 in the morning. Oh, and, and we, by the way, talking about these things at 1.30 in the morning, you're going to get nowhere. Yes, yes, Like you're exactly. just spinning wheels. <laughs> and I was like, look, I'm still the GM. And I went through all of these things and... And then he realized that he lost on rules as written, but what he really wanted was a house rule to make this make his work. thing work yeah. the way he wanted it to work because it didn't make sense in his brain. And I'm like, I don't care if it doesn't make sense in your brain. This is the way it is. And yeah. um, I lost my stack and basically said, it's 1.30 in the morning. Get out of my house. Yeah. We're done. We're done. <laughs> I want to go to bed. Found out later that my daughter hadn't done the dishes, so I had got to do the dishes before I got to oh. go to bed. Right. Classic. So I was like, oh, okay, good. There's another, you know, X number of minutes out of my sleep. <laughs> then he apologized to me the next day. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have kept you up so late. I didn't know how tired you were. And I'm like, that's not the part <laughs> I'm pissed off about, right? Yeah. So I wrote a post today for the Discord channel. And I'm going to read this out loud to you. And let's talk about whether or not I should post this on Discord. because Oh, oh right. Sweet. This is unposted yeah. at the moment. Yeah, okay, okay. And tell me if I'm good taking this too far. Now, everybody had pretty much left for the night. It was a pretty yeah. good session. Everybody had a good time. Nobody like that group doesn't like to go too late. Only a yeah. couple of people are really night owls. One guy has to drive 90 minutes to get home. Yeah, um, yeah. Gentlemen, I have some concerns about the length of time certain rules debates are creeping into our game during the sessions. I have bigger concerns about one-on-one -on -one rules debates that are surfacing outside of the session number one so me, oh yeah go so ahead. hold on hold on let me I, i'm, I'm going to stop you at yeah you got to stop me throughout the whole thing so that's what so, I wanted. um how often are the rules debates like popping up during your uh, thing is it just this one player or is it like the other people like as every uh, are, are they questions or are they actual debates like so this what do you is think? this is part of the game breaking down at high levels right because okay. everybody oh, yeah, has yeah, super yeah, yeah. powerful stuff and they yep. want their powerful thing to work Yep. And I don't want everybody at the table to have an easy button to win the encounter. And that's what they're all looking for. Because they're yeah. like, oh, and I bought into this. I can end the encounter. Yeah, this this is one of those things with, I think, Force and Destiny that, like, um, uh, is maybe a little bit more apparent than, like, a traditional D&D &D campaign. Yes. When you get up to that higher level, like, it really starts to break down. Just because they're, like, they're, like... Jedi masters at that point, yes. right? Like... And, and everybody is, <laughs> like, and they, yeah. you know, and, and that's okay. We wanted to have that kind of a yeah. game. We we yeah, yeah, made yeah. I mean, a conscious that. decision to follow 
a story that did that. Some people are like, oh, that sounds like the worst campaign idea ever. But my group has really loved it. And it's been a really yeah. great group. Okay. So so it, it has been creeping up because people want their things to work, right? Well, and, like, and, and as, they, as they are harder to kill, the adversaries yeah. are more difficult. Right. And the stakes are higher. And they kind of think, well, no, I've got more levers I can pull here. And I'm like, well, that lever, you're, you're pulling that lever, but actually it only, only goes so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, okay, okay. So there's a lot of that. And usually we don't have long rules debates, but there's a tendency to stop the game to sort out oh, the yeah. rule too much. Yep, and not yep. to defer to the GM as often as you would at a, at a level one game, right? Where you know what you're Yeah, really I gotcha, cares. I gotcha. Yep, okay, because they're way more invested in these characters. They're so yes. invested, right? Yep. All right, continuing yep. on. I yep. have five points numbered on my thing. Point number one. I try to keep the rules as fair as, hu as I humanly can. With 40 published books with thousands of pages, there is no way I can memorize every minor tidbit of rules minutia. It's just not possible for my brain. I'm doing the best I can, period. That's number one. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, I think, I, like, I, I think that's fine. Right. I think it's and, fine. Uh, it's you like, know, because, like, nobody, nobody should expect the DM to know every single rule. You know what I mean? I mean, half the time when someone casts a spell in D&D, &D, I'm like, okay, what does that do? Oh, and yeah, they yeah, have yeah. to tell me. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, let's do it. Go. Is that you know, a, just is so that a that cone? Is that a cube? Is that feet? Yeah, exactly. What like, what yeah. is that exactly? So, like, they're, uh, you know. So they, they, like, a lot of my players have gotten used to being like, okay, so I cast this, you know, cone of something, and everybody within this area needs to make a check. And I'm like, all right, cool. You told me what you're doing and explain the rules, so thank you. Yeah, and, <laughs> you and, and frankly, at this high level, everybody has comboed themselves out pretty high that I have uh -huh. to rely more on the players than on my own knowledge Yep. yep. For, for these things. And this is kind of where it gets into trouble because – the player's looking at me going, I know the rules better than you, Dan, because I've been reading this book trying to min-max my character, which yeah. is logical and fun, and I don't fault them for it, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, they should be, right? And yeah. I'm not yeah. doing that. I'm not, like, I'm not requesting their character sheet studying all the flaws. Right. Is, and, and we'll talk about whether I should do that or not. Okay, number two, to keep the story moving, if the rule is not readily available, I will make a, quote, temporary house ruling, unquote, that fits with the game as well as I know it. That rule has to stand for the duration of the session. If we go back to review rules as written, then we can do it right the next time. The intent yeah. is to keep the session moving and not to get bogged down in book diving. I'm pretty clear about my standing house rules, open paren, such as the adjustment I made to make crits excessively more deadly than, than what is in the rules as written. This drives up the tension and speeds up combat too. Close parentheses, yeah. period. That's my point number two. So I think I think that's an important point, and I think it's one that um, is good for GMs to use in general, right? Which is like, look, we may have a disagreement about the rule, um, you know, and I will in the moment make say like, okay, well, this is what it'll do, and if you disagree with me, um, what has happened with me uh, with uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord a couple of times is someone has gone back and looked it up as we continued the story or combat or whatever. Like, things are still moving, and then it said, oh, actually, it is this. Here it is right here. Yeah. I say, cool, got it. We'll, we'll fix it right now. Not a problem. You know what I mean? We're not going to go retcon what happened before, but thank but you I'll for But I'll make it up, up to him every time. 
Yeah, you know, they're going to get so, something good out of that deal. I'm not out to screw the players. That's not yeah, um, but I think I think the idea of saying like, listen, if if neither of us totally agree on this, it's got to defer to the GM, and you know, the trust has to be there between the player and the GM that the GM's not trying to screw you over, but he's also trying not to let you break the game as well. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. and so. So the the GM's doing a tightrope walk, and you know if you kind of push too much, then it could go either way. So you could fall off the rope, you know. And so um, I think the idea of saying like, look, let's put a pin in this. This is how I'm going to rule on this right now. You may not be happy about it for this session, but let's let's let, let's look at it afterwards and really figure out what's going on. Because my experience, which has you know been quite significant with this game that doesn't feel like it should work that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like I, you you start to get a feel of the game as a DM right. and you start to get a you start to know like okay like you know if that happened it would be very broken. That would be a very OP type yeah. of thing. And um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it is that way, right? Sometimes there's those weird combos in there that are just like oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Um but a lot of times, like you're like, oh, that's a little heavy, yeah. you know, for what you're trying to do, and yeah. like your the level of your character and all this stuff. And so, I think you know, being able to put a pin in it, say this is how it's going to be for the session. Let's revisit let's it afterwards, it, and then is, we'll make sure that we get it right. Like I think that's the right way, which is pretty to much keep it moving. What I did in this scenario, because he's yeah. like, hey, I'm not happy with how that went. I'm like, great, let's just solve it right now, real quick. Let's just read it. Yeah. Now. Part of the problem was it was not a super well-written thing. This was yeah. one of the later books. It didn't get all of the tender, loving care that the early books did. There, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some... Now, I understood what they were trying to get at because I know the nomenclature. Right, But right. if you're skimming it, you're confused, right? Yep. Um, Listen, this kind of thing happens in um, Warhammer all the time. Yeah. Uh, you get different guys who write different books. And, you know, like somebody will say something like... Um, you know, issue a issue a command to this person, and then somebody will say, you know, uh, this person can issue a command or something. You know, and you're yeah. like, that one word can throw off like the intended meaning. Yeah. But if like you understand kind of, you know, from the fifty thousand foot, like what is intended with that action, that can help guide it sometimes. And so, like a DM like yourself with Star Wars knows generally like the intent. Yeah. behind some of these rules yeah. and i think that that is a that plays a big part in it too right yeah. right and and so and it takes a lot of discipline in a publishing house to keep that nomenclature really tight oh yes to yeah. say always use may you don't use can or whatever whatever the verbs yeah. are those really matter yeah they so do. that leads me to my number three if there is any gray area the final interpretation of rules as written is always the prerogative of the gm full stop period I mean, it's got to be. Right. It has to be. Like that's that is the role of the GM, and is to do that. I looked up in the core rulebook of Force and Destiny on page nine. Finally, the GM is the ultimate arbiter of how yeah. the rules are interpreted during the course of the game, using them or breaking them as necessary to maximize fun and enhance the story. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately for that one player. He wanted to have max fun, you know. But the problem is, is that his it sounds like his combo that he was trying to push through would have broken 
some things. You it, know what it, I mean? It was clear to other people at the table that he had misinterpreted it. And right, he had been, right. then he dug in his heels because then he feels like certain people are always running roughshod over him. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, well, I'm, I'm tired of getting, I, you know, you have to hear me out because I'm tired of being shouted down type thing. Right. 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 So number four, if you have spent XP in a way where you think you have invested in a character upgrade, that runs counter to either my temporary house ruling or rules as written as <clears throat> as I, the GM, interpret the rules as written, you always get to respend your XP to buy something else. That is my house rule that benefits you as the player. The FFG game rules do not accommodate unspending than respending XP. This is a generosity to you from me. Period. I think I think that um, that is a very gracious act on your part, because every um, every game that I have been a part of, if you have leveled up in such a way that you like, it is your job as a player to read and understand and know the yeah. rules for your character. And yeah. if you did it wrong, well, that's on you, bud. Yeah. you know what I You're mean, stuck like. If you're if you're doing a D and D character and you chose a certain thing and that little combo doesn't work out very well, I mean you might be able to go back and plead with the GM to let you switch it. And you know, look, generally the GM would be like, yeah. "Sure, buddy. Yeah, like, yeah. sure. You know, like I, I get it. Like you you misinterpreted what that meant. But um, but some of them won't. won't. Some of them are like, ah, oh, you know. I mean, like you were, you know, especially if like. <laughs> the level up was like, you know, several sessions prior or something like that, you know, um, but what, I, I, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I think you, um, letting them kind of retcon a little bit or rewind the, the XP thing. That's a very generous act because, um, you know, the way that you level up in star Wars, isn't, uh, like a milestone event. Yeah, it's not like a D and D where, yep. Hey, you're level three automatically get plus. No, you, yep. you, you, you buy discrete things. A lot of RPGs have that as well. You know, some RPGs you get to a level and that has a package worth of stuff that you get. Yep. That's not like this. And even in that way, even in D and D selecting spells, if you think you're yep. going to be playing yep. in a campaign, that's going to be, um, role play heavy and you wake up and it's combat heavy and you have all these social skills. This literally happened to me, right? In our, our one of our campaigns that you and I played in. Yeah. I read content myself and didn't tell the DM. I said, well, I don't yeah. need all the social crap. I need more, I need more firepower. And I just did yeah. it. I do that because I'm treating the players the way I want to be treated. Right. And a lot of that is directly related to the fact that I don't always know exactly how the GM will interpret a rule. And I don't know exactly what the GM is, what kind of story the GM is going to push. Right. Right. And that it takes away all the stress out of buying stuff on your character sheet. When you're like, Oh, this is not as useful as I thought it would be. I'm just going to fix it. And guess what? In star Wars, you can level up while you're playing during the game. If you have yeah, 20 XP, yeah. And you need another rank and blaster, and you have enough to buy it up. Go buy it up, right? Right. So anyway, right. the this is the one thing that drives me crazy, because I got a player saying, "Oh, I invested all all my XP in this thing," and I'm like, "So don't so invest." Go fix it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, "Yeah, I know, but that's not what I'm trying. That's not my point." He's like, "My point is, uh, I don't like the way the rules are structured." I'm like. Well, these are the way the, the problem with the game, there, buddy. <laughs> and I and I, I'm like, 
oh, I, I had to diagram the sentences. This means it's pointing to this. This means it's pointing to that. And it's not pointing to the way you, you want to do it. Yeah. And then it came back to, all right, so this leads me into my number five. Number five, objecting to the GM's interpretation of the rules as written or attempting to negotiate a house rule that fits your worldview preference or generally not being deferential to the way the GM is doing the best he can is a huge turnoff for me. I put so much time into these, put, is a huge turnoff to me when I put so much time into these campaigns. It just makes me mad. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to go play a game. And, and listen, I know what it takes to um, prepare for these things, right? Like, there is a significant amount of time, especially if you're not familiar. Like, well, there's a couple of things. One, if you're home brewing. Yeah. Um, and if you um, aren't super familiar with the system, which you are, but if you're not, it can take you as much time, if not more, to prepare for the session as it does to run the session. Oh, I've gone through you know? almost all the published adventures with my other group just because I didn't have time to prep. And I'm like, hey, yeah. guys, we're doing published adventures. I'll try not to make them feel like they're on the rails. But this yeah. saves me. This saves me time. This gives me my right. life back. And they were yep. fine. They were fine with that. Yeah, look, I'm I'm running the Rhyme of the Frostmaiden right now, right? Mm -hmm. And it it is a published book, and it totally saves me time. I could not be DMing this game if I wasn't doing a published adventure. Fortunately, the way that this book is structured um, has made it felt very organic, and I have tried to not shoot. Um, what I've done is, you know, taken players' backstories and things like that, and kind of weaved in some structured adventures that were supposed to be sort of on the rails ish. But yeah. I've, you know, we them in at different times to make them feel a little bit more organic. Um, but look, the point is, is <laughs> it takes time to do this. And you spent all this time working on a system, trying to plan out something that's going to be fun for your group. And if you take that time where you're supposed to be having fun and you're arguing about rules, that is not fun no. for anyone. And I told the player, <laughs> I said, I am not an Xbox you can't download yeah. a game or pop in a disc at me and just play for eight hours. Yeah. The game has to be fun for the GM too. Yeah. I put up with a lot of crap. And the last thing I want is to have an hour after a five hour session be arguing with a guy who won't leave my house. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, I mean, it sucks that, that he was kind of that stubborn about it, you know, because, like, he obviously really wanted his thing to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, at the end of the day, as a player, you got to you gotta take a step back and say, like, okay, why isn't – why wouldn't this work the way that I want it to work? Like, what, like, what is it about this that they specifically don't let you use it in this situation? And it's probably because it's pretty broken. Right, you know? right. So. Because if you used it in every situation – see – what the game designers have decided to do, which makes sense. And the D&D folks did this the same way. If you come up with a spell or a power that is always good all the time, it becomes dumb not to take it. Oh, yeah. And it, it is an auto-include. It's an auto-include. So yep. if you put limitations on everything and you water it down a little bit and you put conditions on it, it becomes, well, in a, in a specific situation, this could really affect everything and I could be the hero and in some situations it just doesn't apply that's exactly yeah. what happened here and then his yeah. final argument before I yelled at him was it's like well I, I it doesn't make sense to me 
that you know you can take damage two different ways in this game. You can take critical hits and you can take point damage. It's dying is dying. And I'm like, there's a big difference between getting your trachea slit and having every atom in your body be disintegrated. Those are not <laughs> right? the same kind of thing, right? And your your ability helps you keep people alive that have that one thing, you know, that one severed artery yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. And and I just I lost it because I we'd done the circular conversation yeah. Yeah. so many times that if 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 I could play back the tape, the number of times I made my cogent rules as written, I'm the GM argument, and how it just didn't get through to the player, you'd be like, yeah. Dan, you should have yelled at him. You, you, why did you wait so long to kick them out of your house? So I want to say I'd like to keep this campaign going for a good while longer, but I need to make this crystal clear to everyone as a group. This is not a debate society. So my question for you, now that I'm publicly yeah. talking about it on a podcast, <laughs> right? Uh, but I know the I know the player doesn't listen to this podcast, so I feel really comfortable. Um, do do I post this? I mean, most of this happened without the other. Some of the other players were a little involved for a little bit yeah, during right. the session, but it looks like the GM has lost his mind and is crazy pissed. <laughs> so that was going to be my, my first question for you right here, um, you know, about like whether or not you should post it. Um, do Does this apply to all of the other players? Do these rules apply to all the other players most of the time, some of the time, hardly any of the time, or is it just this one player? Um, it, the tendency to get bogged down in the rules minutia is building up. Okay. Okay. And, but it's not bad yet. It's only, it was yeah. only bad after everybody else got in their cars and drove away. Yeah. 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 So everybody else would be like, what happened? Right. 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 So that's my concern. Yeah. Right. Is they're going to be like, oh my gosh, like, what is this all about? Because it's going to make you sound like a crazy person. Yeah, you know, true. A, a little bit, you know. I am a crazy um, I, person. <laughs> I mean, I do think that uh, maybe it would because it, it does sound like it's becoming a problem because of where, like everybody is with their characters, yeah. right? Because because you're starting to get the crazy combos. You're starting to be like, well, wait a minute. In this situation, doesn't work. Doesn't not work. Yeah. You know that type of thing. And so maybe the note needs to be revised a little bit to say something like. Hey everybody! Like we're coming to the home stretch of this campaign, which we are, because and everybody knows it. You know, everybody knows we're it. Getting so we're getting closer to the, the home big, stretch. Big bad. Yeah, exactly. We're getting. We're coming to the home stretch. We're getting closer to the big bad. As such, especially with Force and Destiny, right? Yeah. Um, as you get up to a certain point, um, certain things become less obvious. Certain rules become less obvious because you are so powerful. Yeah. You know, and therefore. Um, it uh, it often comes up where you may be uh, feel like you need a deeper rules explanation. You may want to have a conversation about the rules, and you know I just want to set some guidelines about how we can make that work so that we don't bog down the session. Yeah. Right. And so, because uh, I think that th that everybody would kind of respond well to that, you know what yeah. I mean? Which is like, okay, I get it. Our characters are starting to become super powerful. Sometimes I need clarification on the rules. In session is not the time to debate it, you know. Yeah. And and then and then you know then you can kind of go into some of your points of like, you know, um, if I make a rule, like you know, we're just gonna call it for like if I make a ruling on a on a rule set. 
we're going to call it for the session, even if I might be wrong and we can hash it out. You know, we can, we can get to the bottom of it later on, you know, um, just to keep the game moving. Yeah. Uh, you know, I that can type always of thing, make so. everyone turn to their scriptures. Please put, pull up <laughs> page nine right. of your core rule book, which you all brought with you with the paragraph that starts, I'm the game master. What do I do? And we will read that paragraph together and say, Find ultimate arbiter. Would someone like to go to Webster's Dictionary and define <laughs> ultimate arbiter for me, please? Okay. So I, by talking through this with you, Justin, and sharing this with, with our audience, of course, some members of the audience do listen to the show. Hey, guys. Yeah. You're like, what? You'd be like, what the heck? Yeah. What? What? Damn. You know, but nonetheless, um, I don't think I want to post this. You know how you write something and you want to sleep on it? Oh yeah, and, I I, um, I think as it's written, um, it's it's more directed to one, one player. player, and yeah, you know, you yeah. and which is, and, and you don't want to post something like that, right? Yeah. But I think you could rework a lot of these things to again yes. put it into the context of we're getting to the end of the game, and this is where the rules are starting to get funky. Yeah, and as this is normal. Yes, right, and so we may have these debates, but. I don't want to get bogged down in them. And so here are some of the mitigating things that I, I want to put in place so that we don't get bogged down by that. Should I have a you know, separate I think it, Zoom call about this where people can ask nah. questions? I'm asking. Nah. Nah. You I don't think so. Nah. Okay. I'm, I'm with I think, you. I, I'm, I'm picking I up think what you're laying if, down. I think if somebody – like I, I think about my stuff, right? I may have put something together that I think would would be really good. I would just ping you and be like, hey, so this is what I'm thinking, and I want the rule. And, and this is what I think you should encourage your players. Have them come ask you the rule before the session starts. And then so I had this can. player did that. Not on this rule, yeah. but he was making some character design choices. Uh-huh. And I, he was putting XP in places that was a waste for him. And uh, then he gathered it all up and put it on this thing, thinking that it was going to be the end-all, be-all. And I didn't spend any time worrying about the new thing because I said, hey, on the old thing, you never get to use it because the group never uses it. You're, you're going down the wrong yeah. path. Everybody's turning left yeah. and you're turning right. And so he goes, well, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll get more out of it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Maybe you'll get more out of that. Yeah, um, right, right, right. So it's, is it yeah. partially my fault for in that moment not getting into the tiki tack? I mean, again, the player should be responsible for their character management. I mean, ultimately, you know what I mean? So, like, you would have had to hold him by the hand to walk him through every choice that he was making. Yeah. To and do I didn't that. Want and to that's do that. not your job. No. And that's not your job, ultimately, you know? Yeah. I mean, how is he going to learn unless he kind of tries and fails a little bit, too, right? Yeah. I mean, there's part of that. But, um, you know, I think that, like, if I came and, and, and I will do, I've done this in many games before. I'll start and they say, okay, I read the rule as this, and I just want your interpretation so that I know how to play it. Yes. You know what I mean? And then that way, like you say, okay, well, we're going to do this. I kind of don't even care if I like go back and read the rule. I may have a follow-up question about like, okay, well, in this paragraph, it does say this, but okay, got it. All right. Now I know how to play this. You know what I mean? I because like that. that... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go going. ahead. You uh, finished your say... sentence. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that like by doing that, what it does is you now know the common rules of the game. Um, I do this all the time with uh, my kids' rugby referees. Oh, yeah? Believe it or not. Uh, because here's the problem. In America, 
Um, there's not a lot of great rugby referees. Yeah, sure, I can imagine. Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of people that play it. You have and to so, know it and have time and be committed to give up that time. Exactly. So there's not a lot of great rugby. So if I know that they haven't been calling something that is an established rule, and I know that the interpretation of the rule, because I played rugby and I know what it is, you know, mm-hmm. but I know that the referee is not very good. This happens a lot at halftime. They haven't yeah. been calling a certain thing that need, they need to be calling. I'll be say I'll come up to them and say, "Hey, I just want to be clear on the rule, like so just so I know, I can tell my players how to play the game. You know, when this happens, um, you know, What's what, the result? what, how are you, how are you calling that, right? Like, what are you doing with that? And they'll say, "Oh, well, this is what happens." I'm like, "Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure because, like, as we saw it in the first half, like we didn't see much of that, but." If this is the way you're calling it, I'll make sure that my players understand. And then I walk away. And it does two things. One, we now have a common understanding of how he's calling the game. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And two, it may make the referee a little bit more aware <laughs> of something that he's not calling. Right. And then you know somebody I mean? else is thinking about it, and there could be more than one way to approach it. Exactly. And so if you if you as a player have have you know, think that you've got kind of the secret, the magic bullet. This is a this is a key. If you think that you, as a player, you have found the combo of combos and the magic bullet, go check with the GM. Go check and with the GM because because they may not see it the same way. That's exactly what I did when I found a broken combo in the game you were playing with Dan Flitton and myself. I was a player, and I. I I found a rules is written way to basically increase my damage output by a lot, right? And and I said, okay, if I roll this and I had the sequence of events written down in an email, I'm assuming I'll roll this and then I'm going to add this and then I'm going to trigger this, which triggers that. And he went through and he said, well, I found one or two mistakes in your logic. And so I, I went by his logic. Yeah. And so it's not even like I was showing up saying, oh, I know the rules better than you. I've been playing this longer. I'm like, no, you and I had an email where this is what I'm doing. And I told you what I was doing and here I am doing it. So if you didn't want me to do it, that's fine. If, if it, you know, but <laughs> I'm going to do the, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to behave in the manner I told you in which I was going to behave in. Right, um, right, right. And so literally and and that helped it it, still nonetheless the character was broken and he didn't want to have a player with a broken character and you know we had some social uh, dynamics that needed to be we needed a reset button um so it didn't it didn't continue on but not every campaign is designed to go on for years and years yeah i mean it's it's important um it's important to to I think hash those things out beforehand, and then that way you're not spending time at the table. You know, look, there's going to be times where stuff comes up in game because, you know, you've read the rule and you're sure it's a certain way, and this has happened to me all the time. I didn't know the rule very well. Yeah. As a GM, as a GM, I didn't know the rule very well, and uh, our good friend Jim, he would do this uh, a lot in the. Um, in the uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord, you know, because Jim, uh, our <laughs> our friend, loves to go through the rule book and really know the rules. Yeah. He wants to know the rules so he can play the game to the best of his ability. Yeah. And I applaud him for that because um, I sometimes don't have uh, time to read a 400-page rule book like and really study every single rule, you know, that's in there. And, and, and so, as the GM, you're playing a thousand other characters and you're yeah, worried about their right. step blocks and you're worried about the story. And is every player yep. getting a chance to shine? 
And yeah. and there's a lot of things to worry about to GM well, you know. Yep. And yep. some and a players that have a lot of downtime during the session when they're not on camera, guess what they do? They pick up the books and go, "Wait a minute. What if what if we do this? What if we do that?" Right. What and is specifically for their character too, right? right? So they've narrowed, they put a magnifying glass on, on some of those rules that they are using um, more often. And that's perfectly accepted, acceptable yeah. behavior. But as the GM, it should be. It should as be. the GM going into my 10th hour of GMing over two days, <laughs> you know what happens to your brain somewhere after oh, yeah, eight. Oh, yeah, it gets addled. You know, yeah. you just, yeah. your brain just wants to make it stop, you know. Yep. Um, yep. So, anywho, that's that was the subject. I think this was a good discussion. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep my powder dry. I'll let you know if there's any follow-ups to this, but I think generally <laughs> we're just going to let it slide for a while. I, th- I think it's good. I think it's good to just kind of, you know, hopefully hopefully things uh, move along. You only have like a few more sessions left anyway, right? So We you know. can. I always have something in my back pocket if we really wanted to go again. I always have something yeah. else, but yeah. I'm, it could go either way. It could, we could end yeah. it and say, okay, close the book, start over. But then if we really wanted to go for another three or four episodes, I, I always have something in, in my back pocket. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, there's definitely at least two more very difficult, long, painful episodes, probably three, maybe four. And then even if we wanted to do like a, um, you know, a follow-up, you know, a postscript session or two, I, I would not be empty handed. I could sort something yeah. out. Yeah. And sometimes people right do that when they feel like, oh, I finally got this character where I wanted it. Now the, now we're done. That sucks. Yeah. So they yeah. sometimes they want like that. You know, is there is there one more ride around the merry-go-round we can do? Right. Um, and and sometimes you're doing a it's a benefit to them to indulge that, um, knowing that sometimes you'll say, okay, this is the last one. Spend all your XP. There's nothing left. And when they know that session is coming three months from now, they can plan around yeah. that. They can say, right. oh, I don't need to invest in this because then I it's only it's a prereq yep. for seven yep. episodes from now, so that's a waste. You know, yep. and then they get to be more efficient and more potent in what they want to be potent in. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we went for an hour Very and twenty one minutes. Hey. We did good. Yeah. Yeah. Normally you and I go much longer. We could go longer. <laughs> We so, could, we could, but we won't. We won't. Rules lawyering is, guys. It's okay to know the rules. Just be cool about it, man. Just go with the yeah. flow. Realize it's hard to GM. Realize that um, GMs are people too, and the GM is also a player. And if you make it unfun for the GM to have fun GMing, cool. that GM doesn't want to GM as much, which means you play less and you have fun less. Yeah. See? Yeah. Look, if the GM's not having fun, that campaign's not long for this world. Right. No, I had one you player. <laughs> like, I've done it to other. I know I did it to, to, to Flinton. We talked about that earlier this episode. I, you know, I, I didn't realize I was doing it at the time, but now I do. So. Yeah. Anyway, good yeah. talk. Yes. Well, thank you everybody Ooh. for uh, listening to us uh, go on and on tonight. I feel uh, we so unburdened, you. Justin. I feel like I got <laughs> I a lot could. of burns off my no, shoulders. A big, big weight off your chest. I, oh, I like man. it. I like I'm going to enjoy the know? rest of my week now. This is a, this was a therapeutic session. It for was. Me, I'm not. Know? I'm not even half joking. I'm not being facetious <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's awesome. So here at Tabletop and Beyond, folks, we also help with some of your uh, stresses of DMing and. <laughs> 
you know, we, we can be a therapeutic tool for you as well. This so is a moment. Work through some of your this is a safe space to express your your GM consternation. Why is it so stressful to have fun? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to us. Uh, like us, share us, uh, subscribe to us, uh, share us on Facebook with your friends. Uh, we'd love to. We'll love to see. Uh, I already posted some stuff in there more, so we'll get more of that going. And and uh, and if you uh, are if you do make it to our Facebook page, make sure you click on the link to get into our Discord uh, chat room, where we talk a lot throughout the week about the many different geeky things that we are up to, including things like 3D printing, painting miniatures, movies. Uh, uh, Wheel of Time episodes. I mean, you. We talk about so many different things. I think uh, we had a discussion in there recently about the difference between uh, Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Azure. <laughs> so, I mean, if that's something that floats your boat, it's a true statement. This is the place for you. This is the place for you. So, you know, like uh, we've got a lot of uh, great people in there, and we'd love you for you to join us as well. So, hopefully, we'll hear from you soon. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you later. Thank you.